Today we're looking at the church. In this passage, we have reasons why uh, the church is a blessing. Reasons why church is a blessing. The Apostle Paul here says, man, I am grateful to God for you. And then he goes into this list of reasons why he's grateful for them and also how he prays for them. And so a big part of today's message also is learning how to pray for one another. And uh, so let's dive in together. Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. Scripture says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might? That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places." Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. In this passage, the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, he writes to them and he says, man, I thank God for you. Uh, Two things to note just in way of introduction here. First of all, Paul says church is a blessing. Can I get an amen on that? It is. Church is. Is a blessing. The Bible actually uses language to talk about when the church gathers, being in church, and what we're to do when we're in church. Whenever we gather, we're here to lift up the name of Jesus, aren't we? That's what we're here to do. We're here to lift up the name of Jesus. We're here to hear from the Holy Spirit. We're here for transformation, not just information. We're here to worship and to give and to serve. We're not just here to be served. And so a church is a blessing. Matthew 18, verse 20, it says, Jesus says there where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Now, is God uh, omniscient, all-knowing? Yes. Is he omnipotent, all-powerful? Yes. Is he omnipresent? Yes. And so what does he mean by I am there among you? He's always among us. The point is when the body gathers, there is something special that happens when the body gathers. Isn't that right? And uh, by the way, we're grateful for folks watching online this morning. We're grateful for all of the technology and the tools we have in today's world to push out the gospel. By the way, I invite you. uh, You don't realize how much of a difference it makes just by sharing on Facebook or online our services and pushing stuff out. It really does grab people, connect with them. But uh, if online worship 
is the totality of your church experience, you're going to be very anemic in your faith. Can I get an amen on that, church? It's so uh, not not trying to throw any shade on anyone today. I just want to encourage us and exhort us. We need the body. We need the relationships, which leads to number two. Not only is church a blessing, God meets with us and does an incredible work. when We come in with humble, open hearts, worshiping him. Not only is church a blessing, but the church is a blessing. Uh, now, that sounds like we're saying the same thing, right? Well, what do you mean church is a blessing and then the church is a blessing? Well, obviously there I'm talking about the people. And that's what Paul's talking about here. Specifically, the church. How many of you know today the church is not this building? Uh, the church is not just some organization, some not-for-profit organization in our society. The church is the people of God, full of the Spirit of God, uh, living out the, the kingdom values that Jesus gave us. And so that's what the church is all about. First Peter chapter 2, verse 5. Peter writes and he says, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. And uh, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The people within the body of Christ, we, you are the church. I'm the church. We're the church, full of the Spirit of God. And we're called to be the church out in this, uh, in this world, aren't we? And to invite others to know Jesus. The church is a blessing. Isn't it wonderful to have the family of God to come alongside and to pray for you and encourage you and, and to help when you have needs, uh, when you lose a loved one, for them to come to the funeral home and, and to send a card of encouragement and to come by your house. Uh, whenever you have surgery, you know, your family group starts a meal train for you. I mean, isn't that a blessing? I mean, that's just a few examples of how the church comes alongside. And then we pray for each other and advise each other in the faith. Within the body of Christ, you've got others who have gone on before you who we learn from how to do this thing called life, the Christian life, how to do marriage and parenting and financial decisions and all this stuff based on godly counsel and wisdom. And so church, come on guys, is a blessing, isn't it? And the church is a blessing. And that's what he's saying here. Three reasons why the church is a blessing. Number one, I've already leaned into this a little bit. In the church, we have a people to be grateful for. A people to be grateful for. Paul says they were living lives he was grateful for. He didn't say that about every church he wrote a letter to in the New Testament. Uh, in fact, for example, the church at Galatia, when he wrote to the Galatians, he gave them a scathing rebuke right out of the gate because they began to preach a different gospel than the original gospel that they had been given, the one true gospel. Jesus, his death on the cross being the only thing uh, that uh, necessary for our forgiveness and his resurrection life is what gives us eternal life. And when we repent of sin, place faith in him that we're forgiven and we're made right with God. Uh, they were beginning to preach a gospel of uh, Jesus and theology. Uh, believe in Jesus and keep the, you know, the, the laws of the Old Testament and uh, all of those things and adding works to it. And so he didn't necessarily say he was grateful for every church that he wrote to. But the church at Ephesus, he said, I am grateful for you. And specifically, why was he grateful for them? It was because of their faith and their love. He says here, did you see that? Their faith and their love. Faith and love are the foundations of salvation, aren't they? They are the baselines of 
of our fellowship. Faith and love are two indelible markers of the Christian life. A child of God has faith. And a child of God is filled with the Spirit of God and the love of God. Two indelible markers, characteristics. Faith is is believing that the Bible is true, Jesus is Lord, and what he has promised will come to pass. Isn't that right, church? That the Bible is true, Jesus is Lord, and that what he has promised will come to pass. In Hebrews chapter 11, it says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. So it is rock-solid assurance in the promises of God, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has said to us, especially concerning salvation. Uh, also, uh, love, love. Uh, when Whenever we place faith in Jesus, Jesus said this. He said that, uh, by this will all men know that you are my disciples if you have love, one for another. And so love really is that, uh, that most obvious characteristic of someone who knows Jesus and is walking with him. And this early New Testament church here at Ephesus, remember, you've got Jews and Gentiles now coming together in this, uh, in this one, uh, this one body, this one new family called the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you've got people from different races. You've got people from different nationalities. You've got people from different socioeconomic backgrounds. Uh, you've got all kinds of different personalities and political stances that had all come together. This word agape, if you remember we talked about this a few weeks back, but this word agape in the Greek, the word for love here, the word agape was this really this radical new thing. It was not used much at all in Greco-Roman society to speak of love until people began to see this radical new thing among the church. Again, people of all different races and nationalities and socioeconomic levels and, 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 and different personalities and political stances and all the stuff now all come together in one loving family. That's what Jesus does, doesn't he, church? He brings us together in love, and, and our fellowship is all based on the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who shed his precious blood for us and rose from the dead. Love. Love. So today, do you have the love of God in your heart? That's what makes church a, a, such a wonderful place, is, is that it's a place that's supposed to be, right? Come on, church. Can I get an amen on that? Supposed to be. Filled with love and kindness and hospitality, generosity. These are the things that should characterize our lives. Paul says here, he says, listen, why is the church a blessing? Number one, because there is a people here to be grateful for. Secondly, let's keep moving. Not only does the Apostle Paul said we have say we have a people to be grateful for, secondly, he says we have a family to pray for. And this is where I want us to lean in for a little bit. Uh, keep in mind here, Paul's in a Roman jail cell. Uh, he can't teach any Bible studies. He's writing from prison. Can't teach any Bible studies. Can't preach any sermons to the church at Ephesus. He can't lead any ministry programs or make any ministry decisions. Can't do any of that. 
But what he can do is pray earnestly and fervently for them. What he can do is pray for them. Uh, and, uh, we, we say it all the time, don't we? The least I can do is pray for you. Well, no, the most we do for people is pray for them, isn't it? The most we do for someone is pray for them. And, and what he gives us here is not just little God bless some prayers, right? God, I pray today that you would heal Granny's Bunyan, right? Come on now. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Oh, Lord, I pray that you would, uh, uh, Lord, that you would help my cat today. Y'all ever, have you heard that one? That's a good one. God loves our cats. Aren't you glad God loves our cats? Uh, by the way, aren't you glad there's nothing too small for the Lord? By the way, a cat's got it made. Can I get an amen on that? Anybody got cats in here? Cats have it made, right? They, man, they get up and stretch a little bit, yawn a little bit, and, you know, just kind of wander around the house. The dogs, right? We kick them outside, right? They, they get kicked out. And uh, does God care about your cat? Yes. Does God care about your dog? Yes. Does God care about your your hangnail today? Well, sure he does. But our prayers for one another are meant to be a whole lot deeper than that, aren't they? And when he prays here, he's not just praying God bless some prayers. Although God will use even that. If, if you're just getting started in the faith, just give that to the Lord and pray for it. And God will use it. But... What he says here is, he says, Lord, I pray that you would give them, that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that you would give the Spirit, the Spirit. So he's talking about the Holy Spirit here. The Spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of you. That you would open their eyes, right? The eyes of their heart. That the eyes of their heart would be enlightened. That they would know the hope to which you have called them. The riches of our glorious inheritance in the saints. And the immeasurable greatness of your power toward us who believe. And so, man, he's really digging in and praying for their faith to be strengthened. For them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. For them to be filled with the knowledge the true knowledge of God. The word knowledge here is the word epinosis in the Greek. It speaks of relational, personal, first-hand knowledge. So the Christian life is not about how, much, how many facts about the Bible do you know. Or how much context can you impress people with. Historical or geographical context that you figure out about a passage. Okay? The, the point is... Are we taking God's word and applying it to life? The true knowledge of what it means to have an intimate relationship with Jesus and to live a life of powerful witness for him. And so that's the idea here. Again, he, he talks about, uh, he talks about wisdom. That's living life successfully. So we should pray for one another to have wisdom. How many, how many folks need wisdom today? Come on now. We all need it. Uh, revelation. That's the deeper things of God. And so, uh, God, reveal yourself to me in new and deeper ways. Um, uh, God's truth applied to life. Hope. He talks about hope. Our hope is in the finished work of Christ, isn't it? If your hope today is in your own, your own goodness or your own righteousness or your own religious commitment, uh, you are going to, to miss heaven. Uh, it's only in Jesus and what he did for, he did for us on the cross that we find eternal life. This hope we have in Christ is steadfast and sure. It's, it serves as the very anchor of our soul. Our future, how many of you want to declare today, listen, our future is certain in Christ, isn't it? 
It's certain. Uh, we don't need a crystal ball. We don't need tarot cards. We don't need a horoscope. Man, we got Jesus. And uh, he said that when we trust in him, that we'll be with him forever. There is a kingdom coming, and I'm in it because of Jesus. The riches of their inheritance. It's interesting. One of the earliest modern-style banks in civilization was the Artemisian Bank in Ephesus. And so uh, it was named after the goddess Artemis, and it operated out of the temple to that same goddess. And uh, it operated not only as a bank of reserves and deposits, but also in the fiduciary and mortgage business as well. It was one of the very first of its kind in antiquity. And so he's playing into that here. You have this large economic center. You have this incredible bank, which turned eventually they began to refer to it as the bank for all of Asia. And so what he's saying here is don't miss it. There is no hope and security in profit or wealth in this life or in money or possessions. He says, I pray that you would know the true riches that we have in Christ. Uh, I was reading a post by another pastor yesterday online, and he made a post that he was talking about what Jesus did for us, how the scripture says that by his stripes we are healed, right? By the stripes of Jesus, by his precious blood we are healed. And he went on to give this list, and he said, ultimately, Jesus didn't die, die to... Uh, you know, take away all of our sickness or injustice or, you know, all these things. He was making a point about the gospel. What he said was Jesus ultimately died to rescue us from sin and from hell. And that's it. And friends, listen to me. I could not disagree more with that statement. If all we have in Christ is a home in heaven... We are missing out on the riches of the inheritance that we have in Christ. That sounds real spiritual, friends. Listen to me. The Bible says, especially in the last days, there will, those, there will be those who will, have, who will have a form of godliness, but will deny the power thereof. Where's the power? It's in the Holy Spirit. Do we have a whole lot in our inheritance in Christ? Come on, somebody. Is there more to this life than just being saved? Absolutely. Now, we grow in the gospel, not beyond it. But what he's saying here is, if you go back to Acts chapter 19, the church at Ephesus, uh, they uh, they had heard about Jesus and they were starting to kind of, you know, uh, dabble in Christian things. And they show up and they say, listen, uh, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? And this is how we know they're Baptist. Because they said, we hadn't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. Y'all okay today? Let's just be honest. What the Holy Spirit, what is that? Right? Well, it's not all the charismatic excess that we see at times on TV or in other places. It's, it, the Holy Spirit is 100% God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, triune God. Co-equal, co-eternal with the Father and the Son. But when the Holy Spirit comes to live in us, stuff starts to change. When we get saved, we have an incredible inheritance that comes with the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, in Isaiah chapter 9, this is just one example. It says, doesn't it, that when Jesus comes again, there will be no increase or end to his government. The government will be upon his shoulders. That he will usher in justice and righteousness. And uh, and that forever uh, we will experience his benevolent monarchy. 
So he's going to overthrow all kingdoms. He cares about justice and righteousness, doesn't he? Uh, by the way, Psalm 103 says we have an incredible benefit package when we know Jesus. Uh, the, the psalmist there writes and he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Let me not forget any of his benefits. He forgives all of our iniquity. He heals all of our diseases. He redeems our life from the pit. He satisfies us with good so that our youth is renewed like the eagle. Right? I mean, that's what he does. And so for us to say that, a G, listen, Jesus only came by his stripes we are healed simply means that he came to save us from sin and hell. That is, is that our greatest need? Come on, church. Yes. That is our greatest need. But aren't you glad with salvation? Are we going to be healed forever? Come on, somebody. This is a little interactive today. You're going to have to have to help Pastor Derek been under the weather for a few days. So I need you to give me a little something here today. All right. Are, are we going to be healed forever? We're going to get a brand new glorified body. Yes. Is he going to come in and usher in justice and righteousness forever? Yes. Is he a good provider? Yes. Don't buy into all to this stuff. There, there in in modern Christendom, it's kind of two two lanes of this. You got the health, wealth, prosperity gospel, which is not the true gospel. Okay, you can't just name and claim whatever you want in this life. And by the way, if my focus is all on material things and temporal things and earthly things, I've missed it. Absolutely. But it's also not this. Let me soak in my depravity the rest of my life either. There are riches to this inheritance that we have in Christ. And that's what he's talking about here. He's saying, listen, man, I pray that you would know the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The immeasurable greatness of the power. God's work in your life. Friends, listen to me today. Because Jesus defeated Satan... That means you and I are not. We are not defeated. We now walk in the power and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So many people I've met throughout the years have never had an encounter with God. They know the facts of the gospel, can tell you everything about Jesus, have a general interest in church and in the Bible, have been baptized, have faith or saved. But have never had a transformative encounter with the Holy Spirit of God. That's what Paul is praying for here. And that's what I'm praying for us. We're not talking about some charismatic excess or some crazy thing. We're talking about the, the power, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Pleading with God to come and do a fresh work of revival within you in such a way that it draws you to this blessed place of intimacy with Christ. And catapults you into a life of ministry for Christ. Have you ever had an encounter with God? 
And he's going to go and talk about this as we get toward the end of the book. Ephesians 5.18. Be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Church is like a balloon. Without the breath of God in it, it's just flimsy and dead. But when the Spirit of God fills the church and fills the the people of God and fills that place as we gather, the church begins to rise in faith, giving, serving, sharing our faith with others, empowered witness. That's what he's talking about here. That's what I pray for you. That's what we should pray for each other. Are these prayers that, that, Lord, I pray that we would encounter you in a transformative way. Luke chapter 11, Jesus said, if we love to bless our children, how much more does God give want to give his Holy Spirit to those who ask? Today, if you want an encounter with God, all you got to do is ask and then tarry there. The problem is we don't want to tarry there. Right? It, how ironic is it that the God of the universe, the God running the universe, always has time for us and we're the ones that are too busy? <laughs> we really do think a little too highly of ourselves, don't we? Probably a lot too highly of ourselves. Oh, church, pray, 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 pray for one another. And don't just pray God bless some prayers. God will use that if you're just getting started in the faith. Start somewhere, but then God wants to grow us. And we learn how to pray right here from the Word of God. So many prayers here. Let's pray for to know the riches of our inheritance in Christ. And the measurable greatness of His power toward us who believe. And all this stuff. Man, let's pray for one another. The church is a blessing because there's a people to be grateful for. There's a family to pray for. But then lastly, there's a Savior to live for. Come on now. Jesus. Jesus over everything. He says here he's far above all powers and all authority and all dominion and every name that was named. If you go back and you study anything about Greco-Roman Society, the Roman Empire, you know that emperor worship was a thing. It's a huge thing. In fact, the Roman emperors, the Caesars, you know, they would, these, these emperors would, uh, demand that kind of loyalty. And so King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the reason you see some of that language in the New Testament, those were the same, that was the same language that was used to speak of Caesar Augustus or Herod the Great or, you know, some of these leaders in Greco-Roman life. But Paul makes it real clear here, doesn't he? He says, no, listen, Caesar is not Lord. Jesus is. And he ain't just a little bit above him. Come on, somebody. Did you see that? He's what? What do you say? Far above. He is just a puppet in the hands of God. That's that's what he's saying here. 
He says, He's the Father of glory. Look at this. Risen Christ. Says that He is far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. He puts all things under His feet and gave Him as head over all things to the church, which is His body. We see here our triune God, the Father of glory, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. We see our risen Christ, how He is raised from the dead and seated at the right hand of God. Seated speaks of His role as mediator and intercessor for us, but also of His high position of royalty and authority. And uh, he has the highest name. His name is our strong tower. We see here both his head and his feet. It says he's the head of the church and all things are under his feet. That means if, bless God, if it's over my head, it's under his feet. Isn't that good news today? Whatever's over my head is under his feet as he sits on the throne of God. Church is a blessing. Because of Jesus. He's the very reason that we gather. His is the name that we lift up above every name. He's the one we come to worship. Jesus is the reason we give and we serve. And we pray and we, we dig into the word. It's because of our living word. Today, do you know Jesus? Have you had an encounter with God? Children of God here today, listen to me. I don't believe in a second baptism of the Holy Spirit, but I do believe in continual empowering encounters with God. Be ye filled with the Holy Spirit of God. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit of God comes to live in you. You're born again. But when was the last time you met with God in such a significant way that you left your prayer closet Changed, transformed, empowered, encouraged. The good news is all we've got to do is ask with a humble heart. And he says, if you seek me with your whole heart, you'll find me. That's what he says. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast. So glad you could join us. If you've given your heart to Jesus, text Hope Jesus, all one word, text Hope Jesus to 77411. Hope Jesus 77411. And let me encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. If you hadn't done that already, make sure to hit that subscribe button and share it out. You never know whose life might be changed by simply sharing this message today. So share it out. Okay? And so thank you again for listening in. And we invite you to listen in with us next week.